All right, so I love Anne Lamont. Here she is. She says, almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. All right? And here in our passage, Jesus is, uh, maybe even my mic, right? If you unplug the mic and plug it back in, it will work too. Thank you. Um, Jesus is modeling here uh, a rhythm, a way of being that's sustainable, an alternative pace and way of being with our, being in our world. And what we find here in Mark chapter 1 is that Jesus is tired. Um, he's been on the go. We've been talking about his healing, his casting out of demons. Um, people are following him, and he's been calling people to follow him. So he's been busy. And the thing about Jesus that we're going to notice today is that Jesus was very busy, but Jesus wasn't hurried. And there is a difference, and I want to show you the difference um, today. But before we do that, uh, let's talk about our busy days. What does a typical uh, day look like for you? What do you wake up? Maybe 7.30, 8, don't lie, some of you, right? 9, okay. Snooze a bit, grab your phone, scroll, all right? Who are my people? Who are my people that sit in bed and scroll? Okay, yeah, the rest of you are liars, right? We make the bed. We get dressed, we scrounge for some food, we start a podcast, we shower, maybe we wash our face. We got to get the coffee, right? The coffee is like in the mix very purposefully. I read this week that 90% of Americans drink coffee. And the thing that was fascinating to me about this is that that makes it the most widely used psychoactive drug in the world, right? Caffeine, okay? And so we're on the go, right? Um, and, and, and if you're uh, like me, you help other humans get, get dressed too, right? Or you have a dog, you got to go walk the dog, whatever it may be. And then we have this work from home world that we live in. And so maybe in the midst of all that, you already started working too. And the, the crazy thing about our ability to work from anywhere is that we work everywhere then. And we work all the time. And we're busy and we're hurried. And so on top of all that, the last year and a half, coming up on two years, has been um, additionally stressful, right? This COVID times that we live in, the workload, the pace, um, the relationships that we're trying to navigate with our friends and our family. I saw this cartoon from The New Yorker, um, and I just thought this was great. It was titled, When Life Gives You Lemons. And you're just like, no more lemonade, all right? It's like... No more. I've done enough. I saw this sermon the other day uh, that said, um, don't waste the pandemic. And I'm like, I don't I don't care like what application you have in this sermon. I don't want it like I don't want anything to do with this. I don't want to learn. The only thing I want to learn is how to move on from the pandemic. Right. And Jesus here in the passage is modeling for us a, a rhythm of sustainability, but also of reality. Right. I love that Jesus is busy in this passage because we know what it's like to be busy. Like we know what that tension feels like. And one of my favorite stories in the Bible is in uh, First Kings. Um, a man named Elijah. He's going through a lot. He's depressed. He's uh, scared for his life. And he goes and sleeps in this cave. And this word comes to him to, uh, for, for him to go and stand before God on the mountain. And God is going to come speak to him. And here's what it says in First Kings chapter 19. Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low 
whisper. Uh, in the Greek, it's a, a thin silence. And that's where God was. God was in the quiet. God was in the stillness. He wasn't in the strength of the wind. He wasn't in the earth-shaking power of the earthquake or in the sparkle of the fire. But God was in the silence. And it leaves me asking, if God is in the gentle whisper, how will I meet him if I am always in motion? If God is in the gentle whisper, how will I meet with him if I am in perpetual motion? When you and I are too busy to stop, pause, and slow down, the truth is, is we are going to miss what God is doing. And I want to be really clear about today. I, 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 this isn't a sermon where uh, the pastor is saying, here's, here's my strengths, and I'm going to teach you how to do this. This is more of, here's my journey. Here's what I'm learning. Here's what I'm experiencing. But I, um, I fail in these areas. I regularly um, struggle to slow down and to rest. I consistently violate regular rhythms of rest. Um, part of it is that um, I wear busyness as a badge of honor, right? We love to introduce ourselves and say, what are you doing? And you just, you're ready to run through all the ways that you're busy, right? But I would say for myself, I have a hurry sickness. And uh, my wife can attest to this. She, um, she regularly tells me, um, she says, hey, do you think that maybe when we walk on the street, you could walk with me instead of three steps ahead of me, right? Um, I recently, this is a true story, recently I was on a mindfulness app, like trying to practice mindfulness, and I was like, does this have like a 1.5 speed that I could listen to this on? I drink three cups of coffee a day. I'm a master skim reader, right? Like I, I drive fast. I should never own a car ever again, okay? And, <laughs> thank you. And, and as funny as all these things are, like really, I, I find it kind of funny, but I leave areas of my life unchecked from this idea of rest. I was recently talking to a mentor, and he asked me how I was resting and Sabbathing, and we were talking through it, but he shared a story with me, and it really hit me hard. He said that he was recently at the playground with his two sons, and he you know, goes to the playground with his kids, um, and he regularly listens to uh, like a podcast you know, on the go, and so he has one uh, earphone in. And um, his wife uh, came to meet them at the playground and saw that he had his headphone in, and she just started crying. And she walked up to him, and um, she said, um, what are you doing? And he said, I'm, you know, I'm catching up on this podcast that I've been listening to. And she said, I feel sad for you. You, you have your headphones in, but you're going to miss these times at the playground. And he told me that story, and I was like, I do that every day. And it was like a dagger to me because I miss important moments because I'm trying to multitask, because I'm consumed. But the truth is, is I'm too hurried. And so I want to learn together today. Like, I really want to learn. I don't want to walk out of here, like, with some, like, good ideas. But I, I want some, like, better behaviors for my own life. And um, maybe my journey can illuminate some of um, maybe something that you're experiencing or going through. And so here in our text, Jesus is busy. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, there is this word in Mark chapter 1 in particular. I think it's used seven times. It's the Greek word, euthus. It's immediately. And so Mark's pace is relentless. He's just trying to move us on to the next thing. In fact, I was reading one scholar this week said that Mark rushes all the way till chapter 8. And I'm like, well, what's chapter 8? So I go and read chapter 8. It's when Jesus starts talking about the cross. And the commentator said, Mark is trying to get Jesus quickly to the cross. I'm like, this is crazy, the, the, the pace at which it, it goes at. But what we're going to see, and this is going to happen periodically, Jesus stops. And here's what he says in verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. 
And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Right? Jesus escapes to the desolate place. But what, is, what are these verses sort of sandwiched in between? They're sandwiched between two healing narratives, right? So in verse 29, Jesus leaves the synagogue. He's been, he's been teaching there. He goes to the house of Simon and Andrew, heals Simon's mother-in-law, and the crowd, the crowd show up at the door. The text actually says the whole city gathered together at the door, right? He's healing, he's teaching, he's drawing crowds. Jesus is busy. And then after our passage... Jesus is preaching again, and he heals the leper that we just read. And so Jesus is like an artist on tour or like a journalist that has gone to cover a a tragedy. He's tired. And Mark wants to present two kinds of Jesus here, right? The, The Christian idea of the person of Jesus is that Jesus is both fully divine, right? He's God come in the flesh. But also he's 100% human, which is why we see Jesus getting tired in this passage. And ironically enough, I think there's a tension to sort of live, live within when you think about this. But Jesus is facing limitation, right? His, his flesh, his body, um, his energy is weak. And so what does he do? He removes himself from the crowd. And he places himself in a desolate place where he prays. Uh, we were talking about this, um, this desolate place in our community group this last week, and it was fascinating to think about the idea of desolate, like um, solitary, lonely, uninhabited. But as I like, went and studied this, basically the, the, the word really just means a place that's not cultivated or populated. And so Jesus is saying, I'm amidst the crowd, I'm leaving the crowd. Like, I got to leave the crowd, I got to leave the people. It's not like a specific place that he's going. He's removing himself from people and from the hustle and bustle. And so, busy and hurry. What, what would be the difference? If we're looking at Jesus and we're saying, Jesus is busy, and that's not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing to be busy. But when it seeps over to hurry, it changes. And so here's a a slide to kind of look at the difference between um, busy and hurry here. Um, There it is. All right, so busy, right? Uh, Full schedule, many activities. This is an outward condition that we're experiencing. It's a physically demanding, uh, physically demanded, and then reminds me that I need God. But on the other end is hurried, right? It's preoccupied. It's an inability to be fully present. Rather than being outward, it's inward. It's an inward condition of who we are. It's spiritually draining, and then it causes us to be unavailable to God. Uh, this comes from um, Pete Scazzaro. Uh, some of you have done uh, the journey of emotionally healthy spirituality. And so if that's some of our problem that uh, or I, describe it, I, I describe it as like a sickness, right? A hurry sickness that we have. What is the source of that? So let's kind of pick apart what, what could possibly be the source of that hurry. And I want to talk about three things here. The first being our location, right? Like we, we, I would be silly to not acknowledge that um, New York City, our context, the greatest city in the world, um, it didn't become this great city by quietly and slowly, you know, putting up a few buildings here and there, inviting a handful of people to live on an island. This is um, an island of density and and clamor, right? Hurry is our, we we may call hurry our way of life, right? We live in a city that values speed and efficiency and quickness. Jesus is, in the passage, is going from uh, a place of desolation, right? He's leaving population, he's leaving noise, but what do we live in the midst of? Population and noise, right? 
In fact, I, I did a little research this week. Um, this zip code, 10003, is the 14th uh, densest zip code in, Amer- in all of America. The top 10, uh, eight are in Manhattan, right? So we are literally in the midst of hurry because we have the most dense populations, the most dense zip codes, right? What about noise? <laughs> New York is, is quite literally... The, one of the loudest cities uh, on earth, traffic, construction, trains, honking. I did a little research. Um, the decibels on a, on a weekday really kind of hover around 70 decibels, um, and they can get up into the hundreds. And so we're literally um, a part of that hurry. It's, it's our very way of life and being in a lot of us. If you've been here long enough, you're like, I don't even think about it anymore. Right? I, just, I just do my own thing. I keep going. But the subtle ways in which that affects us over time need to be acknowledged. What, other, um, what are the other sources of our hurry? What about technology and speed? Um, I don't know if you've seen the ads for um, these 15 to 20 minute grocery deli- delivery services. Are you beginning ads on Instagram or something from them? Um, I got one a couple weeks ago. I never, I don't know. I, those ads work. I'm just going to be honest. right? Like I want to say they don't work, but... So I get an ad for uh, Gorillas, and it's like $20 off your order. And I'm like, this is probably just like the same price as going to Trader Joe's, and it's going to be delivered to me. And so Katie and I put together this order, 20 items in our cart, and we press order. Nine minutes later, our buzzer goes off. Nine minutes. I was like, okay, we've made it. We have arrived, people. Like, this is incredible. Now, this is this human ingenuity at work, right? And like, I don't think... um, I don't think we should like become like neo-Luddites or something like that. Like that's not, I don't think that's our trajectory, but we should evaluate our relationship with tech and speed. So what sounds better, fast or slow? Do you want your food delivered? Fast or slow, right? Do you want a phone or a computer that's fast or slow? Do you want them to be fast or slow at the post office, right? They're always slow, right? But our very language molds us into a way of being that is ultimately unsustainable, right? I I looked up um, a thesaurus for uh, slow, and it prompts words like sluggish or time-consuming. One of them even said stupid. But see, at this frenetic pace, what happens? We cease to be these human beings, and we're like formed into these human doings, right? We're always doing, we're always thinking, we're always consumed. And like I said, I don't want to be silly. Like tech is amazing. I think that's great, but it would do great harm for us not to evaluate the ways in which we hurry, that we're preoccupied, that we're unable to be present. And so I find the text really helpful in that way. Jesus is escaping those things, escaping the crowds to be with his father in solitude. So let's, let's get a little more specific with that, that tech word. Think about um, social media. Social media is an outlet by which we live our lives externally. We're endlessly connected to what? The crowd, right? We constantly check in, we give and receive messages, and it's this sort of endless information acquisition, these little dopamine hits where we're in our beds, but we have the ability to be oriented towards the crowds. And I, to, for me, I'm thinking 30, 40, 50 years from now, we're gonna be looking back on this time and think, wow, we didn't even know. And we didn't even know how consumed we were living outwardly. And so it's really, I guess the best way to say it is like, it's really embedded in us to be outwardly directed. But Jesus is purposefully saying, I'm going to remove myself from the crowd to be by myself with the Father. And so let's let's look at this last one, this idea of this mistrust of God. And so um, what is the source of our hurry? 
And it's that we fundamentally distrust God. And here's what I've come to believe about hurry. Maybe I'll just speak for myself on this one. I find that I hurry because that um, if, if I slow down, I have to deal with myself. If, if I slow down, then I have to look at myself in the mirror and evaluate my motives. And I have to look at myself and say, why is it that I'm really trying to gain control in this situation? What is really happening deep down within me? And, and what it actually is, is this sort of inner critic, right? It's the inner noise where um, I look at myself and I think I'm not okay. I'm not killing it at work. I'm, I'm not in a good headspace. And so if I just keep going, 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 I can, I can suppress that, right? How am I going to make it in this city if I don't grind? How am I going to make it financially if I don't work a lot? How will I keep these friends if I don't schedule time with all of them, right? And if I'm honest, I hurry because I fundamentally mistrust that, I, I mistrust that God is in control. I don't think he's in control. That he, that he, I don't think he has my best interest in mind. And what, what my hurry actually is is a pride of sorts, a pride that I'm in control. But one of the things that I'm learning, and I've learned this over the last uh, couple of years, is you and I will rest. We will rest. Your, your body can only take so much. We will slow down, whether that means we're given over to a sickness uh, physically or we're given over to our anxiety. Um, we can develop ulcers, high blood pressures. We will slow down, but will it be our choice and will we go to the right things in, in that? And so this is what Jesus is modeling for us in the Gospels, an alternative pace, an alternative way of being in life. And I hope what you're saying right now, and deep down in your soul, I hope what you're saying is, I want that. Like, I want that. I, I need that to, to be sustainable, to, to go forward in life. And so rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. I've been reading a lot of books by uh, this guy named Dallas Willard. Um, I think he died a number of years ago now, but um, a, a theologian came to him and said, if you had one word to describe Jesus, what would it be? And I like, paused my reading and I'm like, what would I describe Jesus? Gracious, wise, loving, dynamic, what, what would it be? And Dallas looked at him and said, I think Jesus was relaxed. I was like, wow. And actually, the, uh, the word for um, believe the, in, the book of, in the Gospel of John, the word believe is all over the place. Uh, the Greek word is pistis. What does it mean? It means to lean or to relax, like to relax in Jesus. And I was like, oh, that's so great. Jesus was relaxed. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is the, the storm is approaching Jesus. He's on the boat with his disciples. And in, in verse 23, it says this. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. And look at this. But he was asleep. And I love it. Like the, the storm is like coming up over the boat. And what is Jesus doing? He's taking a nap, right? Right in the middle of a storm. Jesus had this sort of non-anxious presence in the midst of his disciples. He was relaxed. And I love when you sort of take all of the Gospels and put them together. I'm like, how did Jesus spend his time? What did he do? And he sought replenishment all the time through prayer, through friendship, through corporate worship, through reading scripture, through enjoying creation, taking walks, taking naps, welcoming children. Jesus went to parties and weddings. He ate and drank. Jesus like knew how to have a good time. And so he had this holistic pattern of rest, he was relaxed. And oftentimes we see him breaking the Sabbath, but also the way he lived his life was a way of Sabbath. 
And we think about um, this idea of rest in the Bible. Rest was actually built into the very, um, like into the very fabric of creation, rest was built. In, in the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, it says this. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. Um, and then it says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And so check this out. There's evening and there's morning the first day. This is, this is like blew my mind. Notice the order, right? Evening first and then morning. In the Jewish culture, days begin in the evening at the setting of the sun, right? The Sabbath begins Friday at sundown and ends at sunset on Saturday. What is this communicating to us? How does the day begin? The day actually begins with rest, where we settle in, where we accomplish nothing, where we, where we sleep, we drool on the pillow, we drop off into this, a, a sort of helplessness, we go to sleep, and God begins his work. This is, this is the nature of God. We're not meant to uh, work and then rest, but we're actually meant to work from a place of restedness. Now, this type of thinking is, is so foreign, so I want to show you sort of a visual, maybe how you um, pattern your life here. Um, Chris, if you just want to scroll over to there. There you go. And so this is a, a very oversimplification, but we work, we work, we work, we work, we work, and we dream of what? Vacation, right? This is like the pattern, right? And maybe like have drinks with a coworker, like hang out on the weekend. You know, we're like, we intersperse some fun things, but the principle is, is that we work, we start our day at sunrise, and we go, 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 and we dream of vacation, right? I just need to get away. I just need a vacation. I just need some fun and some release. But this is actually the way that the Bible talks uh, about uh, this idea of Sabbath and rest and work. It's that we Sabbath, like we rest, we turn off, and then we work. And then we Sabbath and then we work, and we Sabbath, and then we work, and we Sabbath, and we work. There's a, an intentional rhythm that is taking place. Why is this? And the Bible's very serious about Sabbath. You look at crazy passages in the Old Testament that's like, if you do not observe the, passage, the, the Sabbath, like, you, you're going to death. Like, you're done. That's what it says. It's crazy. And so why is this so important? Sabbath is an invitation to receive, right? We go to bed, and what do we do when we go to bed? We trust Right? God is in full control of the earth, of making it turn, of making the sun rise in the morning. There's nothing that I can do about it. I'm fully in his hands. I can rest at night. And that's what happens when we sleep. We actually realize that God is sustaining us. And the whole point here is, is that Jesus' action or his doing always came from his being. Right? Jesus' doing always came from his being being present with the Father, sneaking off to get these little breaks with the Father so he can continue out to, to do the work of ministry. And so what does the passage say? He goes to a desolate place, but he doesn't just go to the desolate place and sit there, right? This is, this is really key. We can't miss this. He goes to the desolate place, and what does it say? And there he prayed, right? It's not like he went off and just started talking to himself, but he actually made an intentional effort to have communion and communication with another member of the Trinity, this triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And growing in this idea of, of, of prayer, maybe let's reframe it today. Um, and and the, the passage helps us do this. Growing in prayer means growing in connection and relationship with the Father. 
And so prayer becomes less something we do, and it becomes a way of just being with God, right? This is maybe some of the steps that we take in prayer where we sit down and we don't know what to pray, and we're like, God, can you do this? Can you give me this? Can you heal this? You know, the, the list, and rather it's like, God, I just want to be in your presence. Like, I, I need to slow down. Like, oh, I just want to be with you. And what I think Jesus is doing, and, and really Mark is intentionally trying to show this in Mark chapter one, I think Jesus is going back to be with the Father. When is the last time he was pushed out into the wilderness? Earlier in, in the gospel, if you go look, last time he was pushed out into the wilderness was after he was baptized. And so it's like recalling that same moment, right? Jesus goes out into the wilderness to be with the Father. What's the last time he was out in the wilderness? Last time he was out in the wilderness when he was baptized. And what did God say to him? You are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. Jesus is going back into prayer with the Father to hear, you are my beloved son, in you I'm well pleased. And we need those moments, right? This is what this uh, solitude, this is what the Sabbath is about. This is about actually you and I saying, okay, I'm actually going to slow down so I can hear that I am one that is loved. I am one that is cared for and sustained by God the Father. And so we hold on to that. And so... A lot of information, and I, I want to I kind of slow down, and I want us to think about, um, I want us to begin to think about um, our calendars, right? Like, I don't know, I don't know, mine looks crazy, uh, it's messy, I got other people's calendars on there, I hate that. Um, and so you, you, like, you go through your calendar, it's just like, what's my free time? What, is this, what does this begin to look like? So put that in your brain. And here's why. Jesus takes us to a desolate, he goes to this desolate place. And really the, the spiritual practice throughout the ages is, is, is the practice of solitude. Uh, but solitude is, um, I always thought, I can't do that. Like I can't be alone, like in a room. I, 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 I last about 10, 15 minutes. Like I need to be doing something. I need to be talking to someone. I, I'm too extroverted to like do the solitude thing. Uh, but I was reading recently and saw that solitude is what's called a container discipline. What's a container? Container is things you put in, put other things in. So solitude is a disciplined container. I mean, um, a container discipline, meaning we put other disciplines in there, right? We put silence. We put prayer. We put reflection and meditation and scripture reading in there. All, all, all solitude does is it creates space to meet and commune with God. Here's Henry Nowen on the idea of solitude. He says, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. Solitude begins with a time and a place for God and for him alone. If we really believe not only that God exists, but also that he's actively present in our lives, healing, teaching, and guiding, we need to set aside time and space to give him our undivided attention. I think, oddly enough, we have to calendar things like this. Like, I, if that's how you do it, or if you journal, or you, know, you block things on your calendar, if we want to create space for uh, solitude and Sabbath, we actually need to block it off on our calendar and say, that's what I'm doing during that time. I am going to disconnect, I'm going to unplug, and I'm going to be with the Father. Uh, my first run-in with this idea of solitude was um, kind of ironic. I was 17 years old. I was in a Bible study, um, and this man that I really respected was leading it. He was busy. He was a businessman. He had two kids. Uh, he was a father, and he hosted us at his house every, I think it was every Wednesday night. And I remember this one time in particular. We go for a Bible study. I grew up in Arizona, so this is like the north edge of Phoenix. And so it's really, really dark out there in the desert where he lived. And so we would go over to uh, his house every week, but when I walked up this one particular week, there was a sign on the door that said, please come out back quietly. And so uh, we went out back, walked through the house, and um, we grabbed a chair outside, and they were sort of arranged in a semicircle, and he just quietly told us, 
hey, today um, we're just going to sit here for one hour. I'm going to set a timer. We're not going to talk. We're not going to say anything. We're not going to read any scripture. We are just going to come out here and be. We're just going to stare at the stars. Can you imagine a group of 17-year-olds doing this? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember exactly what it, was, what it was like, but reflecting back, I thought, what a beautiful practice to teach people that are 17 years old that all they can think about you know, is going to college and hanging out with their friends, right? But to just be still and to show us that God meets us in the stillness and in the quiet. And so... One more thing, and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of land this here. Solitude does something to our emotional life. So um, some of us, I was talking about how we look in the mirror, and it's, it's like we, we can't even feel. Like we, we, it, it, we're detached from our feelings. I think so often when I'm on the go in that way, uh, there's a level of detachment actually happening in my life where I'm not really in tune with what Russell's thinking, what, what Russell is um, feeling. And uh, Jesus connects with the Father. And then uh, it's kind of hard to capture this sometimes in the original language. But there's three intense emotional words that are used in this passage. In verse 39, this isn't on the screen here. But in verse 39, it says that he was casting out demons. And it's like this intense emotional removal word that he's using. And then um, it says in verse 41 that he was moved with pity. He heals and he's moved with pity. And the Greek word is this crazy word. It's... um, the, the word is splagnizomai, and it actually means that, like, Jesus's, like, guts or his stomach, they're, like, all wound up. Um, and the splagna is, like, the entrails of the body. What, what does it mean? It means that when Jesus saw the crowds and when he sees the leper in this passage, his stomach hurt, right? Like, you ever have so much compassion for someone, like, it just breaks your heart, it hurts your stomach. Like, you just, you feel physically ill thinking about the level of care you have for someone. That's what the text is saying. And then there's another emotional word there. It's like Jesus sternly charged him. He's like rebuked him angrily. And so one of the things, and this is conjecture on my part. This isn't like um, clear in the passage. But one of the things I noticed in the passage is that Jesus gets away to be with the father. And then he has all this emotion. And for me, I'm like, it's good emotion, right? It's this level of like righteous anger. And what I kept thinking about this week is when we rest, we feel when we rest, we feel like I know for me when I'm well rested, I'm in tune with my own emotions, but I'm also in tune with the life of others. When we rest, we feel. And so uh, this was a fun, this was a really fun thing to like um, walk through and to think through this week. And uh, one of the things I was thinking about, um, I spent some time reflecting. I was like, how am I going to rest this week? You know, I don't want to, I don't want to go and share and, and not model it. So I, I went home at lunch twice this week and took a nap. 20-minute nap, just set a timer, and um, I'm sure my wife was like, what are you doing? Like, you can't come home and take naps in the middle of the day. We have children, you know? (laughs) But I I think that that's the kind of behavior that we actually need to show if we really believe that God is in control and that he is going to do something. And what that left me thinking about is um, a phrase, and the phrase is church plant. All right, so that's what, that's what we have. We have a church plant, right? We're, st- we're starting a community, getting an identity, gathering together. And then I really got tripped up on this word, um, plant. I'm terrible with plants. I'm currently in the midst of killing one in our office right now. Um, what do plants need? They need light, they need water, and they need patience, right? They need cultivation in, in time. And church planting, I'm learning, takes um, the patience of a farmer, rather than like the, the methodical nature of like someone like a, a surgeon or something like that. And so I was thinking, a church plant, well, that's what I want us to be. I, I want us to be patient. 
I want us to be unhurried. Busy is, sure, we can be busy, right? We can, we can have things on the calendar, but not rushed. Because if we're rushed, we're not available for others, right? I want us to be unhurried so that we can be prayerful, non-anxious. But most importantly, I want us to be unhurried so that we can be connected to the Father. And so for some of you today, this is a very real challenge. And I don't always like to end like, you know, really practical. Like here are these like steps and things to do. But I, I think these are the types of sermons that some of us, we start to have a conversation and then we leave and we never do anything about it. And so maybe for some of you today, you're overwhelmed. Like you're dealing with anxiety, your schedule is full. Maybe you know that some of the things in your life are out of order. Maybe you know, I'm just, frankly, I'm just working too much. Like I know that I need something um, to change. Or maybe even, you even saw the slide and you're like, you know what I need? I need a vacation, right? If you've gotten to that place, the question becomes, when's the last time you took 24 hours off? Like 24 hours off, no phone, um, you know, no computer, um, you know, if, if it's restful for you to be with others. But when, when is the last time that you took a full 24 hours off? And the truth is, is you have to plan it. And so one of the things that we've implemented in our house is that we talk about what day is going to be our Sabbath. What day are we going to try our best to do nothing? Is it going to be Saturday? Is it going to be Monday's my day off? Uh, and we, I mean... Again, I'm, I'm thinking, stirring about what it looks like to really model this sort of unhurried life. Um, one of the things, this is a tip that I saw this week and I thought this was really great, is that we should spend um, one week a year with our phone off. Um, we should spend um, one day a month with our phone off and we should spend one hour a day with our phone off. And I actually think that could do, uh, re- really do wonders um, for some of us. And so if you're thinking about Sabbathing, resting, let me just give you a quick framework here and then I'll pray. Um, I got this from Eugene Peterson. I think this is great. If you want to really rest, think of it in two ways, play and pray, play and pray. And so we balance out our uh, rest. What's restful for you? Um, in, the, in the terms of, of praying, there's actually really great things in the city. If you can't get all the way out of the city upstate or, you know, something like that, maybe Central Park or the Cloisters is a really great day retreat, a place where you can just be and you can pray. Remember this, the Sabbath is not just leisure, right? You're not just going to sit and watch TV all day, but what you do is you pause your day to be reminded who you are, to thank God for who he is, for sustaining you, for, um, and it's, it's, it's a posturing of listening, right? You're, you're listening to God. You're ready to hear from him. And then lastly, um, playing. What is it that you love to do, right? Writing poetry, baking, playing music, going hiking, playing basketball, dreaming up new ideas. I think Play should be a part of our rest if we're thinking about, you know, who we are and being ourselves. And I think for me, what that would mean is you've got to put the, the tech away. You've got to put the phone away to really rest and to be. And so here's what Jesus says in Matthew 11, and I'll pray. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Let's pray. And so, Father, we really desire this, this, uh, this rest, this, uh, this sort of like deep internal connection and um, care that you bring deep in our souls, God, because I know that for some of us it's easy to you know, look forward to the next vacation to think about a few hours of respite. But God, give us the type of 
connection with you, where we can unplug from uh, the world and the noise and the population, and we can plug in um, to time and connection um, with you so that we can feel, so that we can be our truest and most authentic self. And God, we thank you for an opportunity to be challenged in this way. It's in your name we pray. Amen.